you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. It's the footballiest time of the year. With quarterbacks throwing and tailgaters ready for some brats and beer. It's the footballiest time of the year. It's the pig, pig skinniest season of all. With Tebow Tebowing and Mile High Payton's throwing, it's time for football. It's the pig, pig skinniest time of the year. Hi and hello, football fans. It's your old pal Dave, Dave Damashek. What's going down? I hope all's well wherever you are, and happy holiday season's greetings. Welcome to episode number 115 of the Dave Damashek Football Program, available as always on iTunes and at NFL.com slash Sheck, S-H-E-K. It's the gift that keeps on giving. Let's get right into it. We have a lot of football to yap with with a lot of different different fellas here. Starting off with the man seated to my immediate right. You know him from NFL.com, from NFL Fantasy Live, his alternative power rankings or whatever he calls them, the like-dislike column. Adam Rank, what's the poop, fella? Hey, boss, thanks for having me. Sure thing, sure thing. How are you? Happy holidays to you. Season's greetings. Yes, ho, 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 and all that kind of stuff. Um, yeah, we have a lot to talk about, and thanks to the Czech Republic and Rank Amateurs and uh, and the black sheep, black tie behind the glass, his new fan base. That's what I've declared it. It's the black sheep. I think that's a good name there. Also seated uh, directly across from uh, me and Rank now, the fellas who you know and love from around the league, the debate club. They join us uh, on our second podcast every week coming up this Thursday. Be on the lookout for that one. It's Dan Hansus and Mark Sessler. What's the poop, fellas? Happy holidays to you. Same to you. Yes. Happy holidays. Yeah. Not so happy for you, though, Dan Hansus, after Monday yeah. night. That was that was downright sad to you watch Mark in, Sanchez. No, you walked into the newsroom <laughs> right moments before Dave walks in. I'm covering it, watching the game. Sanchez throws that woeful fourth pick that basically sealed them just about. And Dave is saying to me, he's saying, you know, you don't want that completed anyway because who wants the Jets in the play? You don't want to be in the playoffs if you're going to get knocked out. But that's a Steelers fan saying that you have all those rings. As a Jets fan, all you want to do is get in the playoffs. So, like that, it was flickering in my heart, and you came in at exact exact moment that I was in pain. I've said it before, and I'll say it again now. Though, listen, Mark Sanchez, if they get into the playoffs, what this is this is what you need to have happen because this makes it pretty much a deadlock certainty that there's no way that come February or March or whatever happens in the draft, there's no way that Rex Ryan, if he's still there, or whoever the GM is or whatever, you cannot sell to the locker room. Forget Jets fans. You can never sell to the Jets, to, to the locker room. Yeah, one more year with Mark Sanchez. So this makes it so that they can't possibly yeah. consider that. Forget about they have $8 million guaranteed to him next year, which was 
the, because of that silly contract extension. But they can't. They, there's nothing they can do now to bring him back. I think it was the end of an era last night, and it's really hard to to imagine it happening any other way than McElroy finishing out the season and then then them trying to figure out what to do next. All right, it should, New be, a, it should be a happy time for you then. It's uh, time to move on. Although I, it should be pointed out, Hans Zeus is a notorious I'm going to tweet you when your team is losing guy. That's not true. That's not even close to true. It happened once, and I forgot that you're a Chargers fan because you're a fan of like 14 different teams. Anybody <laughs> on the West Coast except for the Niners and Raiders and the Browns. I don't I don't think it's that hard to keep up with. <laughs> I lose now, track. Rank, I'll start with you on this one. Now, the okay. other New York team, see, mm-hmm. now they they are a team that is is rich with success, especially since Eli Manning got there. What do you think, though? Is it an illusion now, or are we riding on the uh, on the assumption that, well, it's Eli Manning and they always do it at this time of year. They just got shut out. How mm-hmm. say you now about Eli in that division? And by the way, I uh, I talked about it on the Shame Report, which is available for you now at NFL.com. Uh, check it out. And by the way, thanks to the Czech Republic for this, 650,000 people watched it So I pre- uh, the, last week. So let's uh, let's make it How 750. How many the Shame Report? 650,000 human beings. Wow, that's Isn't really that quite nice. a thing? That's Let's make good. it seven fifty this week. But rank, um, I, uh, t- so I talked about this. I, I honored the Disney on Ice show that I went to on Sunday, so I missed the Steeler game. Cowboy, which is good for me because it would have made me sick. Cowboys, Redskins, Giants. Who gets that division now? Giants. Giants win the division. You say? I, I agree. That, they beat the Ravens. I look this at that. Week. I look at that game for the Falcons as a must-win kind of. We need to go out and show people that we can do this. Roddy White was even quoted as saying earlier, "You know what? We can't be afraid of anybody anymore." Which to me implies that they were afraid of some teams. That there's some teams they didn't want to play in the playoffs. For that, for the Falcons, it was a must-win. It was a. I hate to use this expression, but it was a statement game. The Falcons had to go out, show everybody they're for real. They can make a run in the playoffs. And for the Giants, you know, when when things go bad, they're the Super Bowl champions. It's not the end of the world. You know what? All right. Were they mailing it in a little bit? I don't want to use that expression. I don't want to say that they quit. Wasn't as important to them. All they all they need to do is they need to beat the Redskins. They'll beat the Ravens this week, and then they beat the Redskins. No, no, no. It's Cowboys at the Redskins oh, at the, in the you're season right, finale. Right, right. Uh, they have to beat the Ravens, and then they play the, Eagles. They got Phil, Philadelphia. Yeah. Excuse me. I Redskins, but no, I, no, that's but, not correct, though. If the Redskins win out, they win the division. Yes, that's true. But oh, and then think... the Giants would get the wild card is yes. what you're saying. Yes. How, what is the – I should really know the math on this. Is it the Bears? If the Bears and Giants win out, who gets that, uh, gets that wild card then? The Bears need help. I know that. I think that that's correct. I yeah. think that goes to New York. And the Cowboys, obviously, either the Redskins or Cowboys are going to lose a game there, so that would knock them down. Sessler, how say you? Who wins that NFC East? Well, I picked the Giants before the season, but I I, I think that the Redskins are going to win this division. I, I think that what they've been doing on offense, uh, New York had no answer for it. And look at, I mean, they, they plugged in Kirk Cousins against what is a pretty good Browns defense, uneven, but went to town. And I, I think that the team has just got something special going on. The Giants... At rank, I agree with you. Like, they are the Super Bowl champions. You know, they are a team that's not going to just completely go invisible. But they did that on Sunday, and they've been extremely streaky all year. I mean, they're not playing nearly as well as Washington. They were 9-7 and seven and went on to win the Super Bowl last year. I think they've bought a little bit of credibility to be able to turn and flip the switch when they, it comes down to they're, it. They're sucking us in again. One year ago today, 
Washington Redskins come to the Meadowlands and beat the Giants 23-10, drop the Giants to 7-7. Seven and seven. They never lost again. That I've, was a, Wow, that was yeah. mid-December. I don't even think about Week it in 15, those terms. December yeah. 18, 2011. So I really think until they really you know blow this, we, they deserve the benefit of the doubt. All right. What do we think about the the, – I mentioned what happened in Big D. Dallas is in the mix there. Does Pittsburgh take care of Cincinnati or go the other way? Sessler, I start with you. I think the Steelers are going to beat the Bengals, and I think they're going to do it decisively. And you think they'll uh, then take care of business and beat the Browns when they pay a visit to Heinz Field? Yes, I do. That would be the greatest shame (laughs) in the history of shameful deeds if that happened. No, I think Pittsburgh is is, – put me on this. They're going to the playoffs. It's – you listen – Everything with Tomlin, it is in. It is absolutely ludicrous, in my opinion, that uh, there are some people in Pittsburgh. It's a minority, but still, there. It's it's not some fringy three percent. There are a lot of people in Pittsburgh who are saying, "Get rid of Tomlin." This team is. I, I know everybody in in Please. the twenty first century NFL gets uh, you know has to deal with injuries, but I mean, really, there this secondary and that offensive line and and so on and so forth has had so many injuries. You're not really you're re- talk about rooting for guys in uniforms. You don't know who those guys are in a uniform in, in the uniforms. Um, listen, they got to take away AJ Green if they're gonna if the Steelers are gonna win that game. That's what it comes down to there. Um, I you know listen, got to ride on uh, Roethlisberger being the guy who wins the games. In you know he threw a terrible pick though in Big D, but I, I'll stick by him and say that uh, he can pull it out in the big spot there. For a month now, you've been able to circle that game. Both teams have been able to circle that game and say, whatever else happens is so much noise. It comes down to that game. Who wins that? The team that gets the wild card there. Hansus, how say you? I've never been more confused about a division in my life than this AFC North. The Bengals, the Ravens, I mean, the uh, the Steelers. Who who's the best team out of that three? There's really no way to tell. They've, no one's great. All, That's the no answer. No one's great, and they've all had really bad lows and nice highs. You know, it's really it's interesting to see how it'll shake out. But I think any three of those teams could come out. I, don't, I wouldn't be shocked if any of them came out or collapsed. Rank. What do you think about um, about Flacco? I mean, here's the thing with the, with the with the Ravens. To me, before the Sunday night game in Foxborough, when the Niners put 41 on the Patriots, and once again Belichick's defense, this defensive guru. <laughs> Once again, I mean, for eight straight seasons, this defense is ranked, I think, 26th. And, yes, they score points on defense, but still it's rubbish and it's all about Tom Brady. Still, in spite of the 41 points put up there by the Niners, I feel like there's no team in the, a- in the AFC that realistically is going to beat the Patriots once again. Who in the playoffs is going to beat that Patriots team? The only team I might say is the Ravens, except they've looked so bad. The one team that has the Patriots number is... Is Baltimore, but I mean, not now, right? I mean, is are the Ravens a threat to them? If I was going to pick one team that would be able to beat the Patriots, it would be the Broncos. I know Denver lost to them earlier, and if you look at Peyton Manning's history against the New England Patriots, it hasn't been great. But the defense that he's got going right now, if no Sean Moreno doesn't get injured and he's able to run like he has, they could really go in and control the game because one of the things, if you look at what the Broncos have done over the last couple of weeks, they've limited Peyton Manning. To some extent, he hasn't thrown for the gaudy numbers. He's been he's been handing off the ball while they pound the ball. And if they take that formula into into New England, 
I feel that that way can be successful instead of we need Peyton Manning to throw the ball 50 times. In I agree. Snow. I feel like they're turning into sort of a January team now. They're they're getting ready. It's looking like they have a, a shot at hosting um, some playoff games now and, and going through Denver there. Peyton Manning, everybody talked about that. Remember when they signed him, they said, well, he's not good outside and he's not good in the weather. So maybe that is the, the, the strategy now. Hand the ball off a lot. Let Von Miller dominate Tom Brady or anyone else that goes in there. What about the Texans, though? I wasn't surprised. The score was a little bit closer than I thought, but it's very early they were in control of that game. Sessler, the Texans. How say you now a week plus removed from the shame that they – the shaming they took up in uh, Foxborough? Well, I think like the Steelers a little bit. The the problem with the Texans is that they can't do anything close to what they want to do on defense and with their players on defense because of the injuries they've had. And, I mean, they're getting rocked by teams. So, you know, it, the playoffs are about which team is healthy enough to endure. And I, I don't see Houston as that team. I don't think that team scares any of us in this room right now. And they haven't had a real signature victory in how long. I mean, it's hard to look back and be like, we're real excited about something that Matt Schaub did this season. It's hard to find those kind of wins from him. Patriots would shred them, I think, in a second meeting. All right, fellas, hang in here around the league, guys. Two of our great gifts rank in uh, the Dave Damashek football program of 2012 was bringing them in here, and uh, and they have delivered. But right now, hang in because we got to do a blacklist. we got to hear the shout-out. I also want to say thanks to uh, to members of this. That's what I started to say before. Sheck Republic, Rank Amateurs, and Black Sheep. One of them, Derek Booth, uh, dropped us a gift, and uh, I want to say thanks. He sent me Texas chili hot and spicy mustard, and then he also sent me a horseradish mustard. I'm a great lover of, of mustards, uh, as you may know. He sent uh, Rank some uh, some L.A. Rams pencils. L.A. Lakers I mean, pencils. L.A. Lakers pencils. <laughs> and he sent the black tie Capri Sun, or his... Uh, or his uh, black tie called it capri sun <laughs> and he said well that's the other i said it's capri sun he said well i say it capri i said you could say it either way i said well you can say it the wrong way that's what little it's country. called capri sun did i don't see, get it though i don't know why the capri sun did you see the extreme makeover of capri sun's uh packaging pretty that, hot stuff dan wants the packaging to look the same as it did in like 1986 he was it, visibly <laughs> like, it's got a snowboarder on there maybe that's the connection black when i think of snowboarding i think of black tie <laughs> he's an extreme <laughs> dude. He's our poochie. <laughs> All right. So, like I say, let's talk right now to another great gift of ours. You know him on Twitter as at Move the Sticks, also on NFL.com. You see him pretty much everywhere. He's a rising star at the NFL Network. It's Daniel Jeremiah. What's the poop, fella? Well, first of all, you know, I appreciate the, the nice words about me being a nice gift, but I mean, don't lie to me. Did you guys keep my receipt? Did you? <laughs> you could be returned. I tossed it. No, I I did ask for the gift receipt. I wasn't sure at first, but I'm like, oh no, this is it. This is pretty nice. All right, listen, Jeremiah. Let's do it. No nonsense here. You know how when you open up your stocking, when you reach in there, it's filled with little bite-sized uh, little treats the whole way through. Yeah, I, and like a and one pack of like Topps baseball cards as well. Oh yeah. Yeah, I always used to get my mother just for lack of something better to put in a stocking, used to just put like random magazines in there for me cuz I, I guess for girls it's easier to buy, but it was like, "You like gum? Here's gum." I was like, oh, "Is that a really I the, Yeah, I guess Santa that brought me gum?" <laughs> hmm. 
They'll never win you over with gum. No. Right, anyway. That's the one thing we have. It's Christmas. That's how we bring everybody in. All right, Jeremiah. Now let's do the same thing here. Little quick. You're a, you, you're a former scout. You were with the, in case anybody doesn't know, tell us again. Ravens, Eagles, and who else were you a scout with? And your favorite team, the Cleveland Browns. And the Browns. That's right. That's right. All right. So much like when you see those scout notes on, uh, on, on players, let's do that. You're a QB guru. That's really your area of expertise. Let's try to get snapshot. Remind them where, where, where Daniel went to college. Oh, yes. Appalachian State. No, you're still oh, you're saying it wrong. Appalachian oh, State. Dave, come on. Oh, Dave, come on. Appalachian State. Latch. Latch. Appalachian State. Yes. Is that yes. right? Yes. Appalachian State. That nice. doesn't rise to the Listen, I'm a front runner. I'm I listen, I, I you know, you know, I'm a snob. I don't care about your your uh, piddly university that has one quality win in the history of the program. Appalachian State. Whatever. All right, Jeremiah, let's talk about pro football. Let's go around. Let's get in as many QB related questions for all 32 teams. Let's see. Let's start the clock right now and we'll start off with what do you think about Colin Kaepernick? Obviously, it looks like the right decision now. Do you think we're going to see Alex Smith at any point in uh, on the field at the end of the regular season or even into the playoffs? No, I, I think they've turned the page and gone with Kaepernick. I was a little bit uh, suspect of the move initially, but the Harbaugh sees him every day. He's comfortable with him, and we saw uh, we saw what it, how it worked out the other night against the Patriots. Made a lot of big throws and, and, and just a couple plays with his legs, but he's, he's doing it with his arm right now. It's been impressive. All right. Jake Locker, I've been high on this guy. He just keeps getting hurt. Do you think he's an NFL-level starting QB from what you've seen, when he, at least when he's been healthy enough to be out there? I think he's one of the most raw quarterbacks in the league. I think he's very talented. I think he's got a lot of room to improve. He's not natural, uh, but he's very gifted. I think this is going to be something we need to look at him. Two years down the line, I think he'll be a different quarterback. I think he's got a chance. Is he any different, though, than Russell Wilson or uh, you know a lot of these young QBs that run around a lot and have a cannon of an arm? To me, he's on par with those guys potentially. Yeah, I like Russell Wilson a lot better. I think he was much more polished coming out uh, and just just much more comfortable in the passing aspect of it. I mean, this you're talking about a fantastic athlete. Locker is an unbelievable athlete, but he's not as natural in the pocket of passing things that you see with Russell Wilson. He's not there. What did teams miss with Russell Wilson? Because you look at the bounty that the Cleveland Browns paid for Brandon Whedon when they could have easily gotten this guy in the second round. What, what was everybody missing? Uh, it was one thing. I mean, it was really one issue. It was just his height. I mean, that was it. And, and and you sit in those draft rooms, rank, and what happens is this is the question. You know, you could have we, you could have an area scout love the guy. You could have a, a guy that cross-checks him as a scout love him. The coach could love him. But inevitably, every general manager sits in the draft room and says, who does this guy remind you of? Who are the five foot ten quarterbacks in the NFL? And nobody has an answer because there aren't any. That's an interesting Drew point. Drew isn't tall. Well, yeah, Drew yeah, Brees. He's six foot. He's six foot even. No, he's not. He's, he's six he's, foot even according to the combine where the scouts officially measure, and that's what you go off. All he's, right, he's, keeping the pace, Rank. Sorry. We can't get bogged down with the bait here. We're, we're, <laughs> we're going with it uh, with move the sticks here. Next, Matt Ryan. Is he ready to win in January? Do you think it's any different for the Falcons this time around? I'm starting to come around a little bit on him. That was a big win last week. The thing that I do like about the Falcons is they're going to play every uh, every playoff game leading up to the Super Bowl. They're going to sleep in their own beds. Uh, they're going to be playing in that dome, and they're a different team there. 
Eli Manning, who posted exactly zero points in uh, the Georgia Dome last week against those Falcons. Are, are we riding on his past deeds and assuming, well, the Giants eventually are going to turn around? Are they going to miss the playoffs because of what that offense isn't doing? He's, he's been perplexing. That's the word I'll use there. Is that a big word? Uh, it is, th- kind of. That, that team, you know, it's still a team. I don't think everybody wants to really see him in the playoffs because you feel like that proverbial switch could get flipped. But right now, they're not in any kind of rhythm, no sync. Michael Vick, where does he land? I assume he's done. I don't think there's any debate about that uh, in Philadelphia. He won't be there. Mike Vick starting somewhere, and if so, where next season? I'll say Michael Vick will be competing with with Fitzpatrick for the quarterback job in Buffalo. Ooh, Ooh. that's an interesting one. I like, I you know, I've said it before, I'll say it again. I like Chip Kelly going to Arizona in that dome and bringing Mike Vick down there to uh, sort of turn the page. That's short-term fix, but Arizona has a habit of bringing those guys that are a little bit, uh, to you know, at the back end of their career there and uh, and trying to make some, he needs a guy who can run around a little bit. Next, that would, wait, that would require the Arizona Cardinals opening up their pocketbook to bring in Chip Kelly, which isn't happening. Daniel and I actually had this conversation. We think Ray Horton gets promoted to head coach. Boy, there. that would certainly be uninspiring. So uh, that, that's the word I'll use <laughs> that's there. That's the Cardinals. Cincinnati Bengals playing good football, dominant front seven, weak secondary. The key, though, going into Heinz Field on Sunday, Andy Dalton has not been dynamite over the last month, sort of quietly, has not played uh, terrific. And uh, what do you think going into there? Andy Dalton, can he go in there, beat Pittsburgh, and then turn around in Week 17 and beat uh, beat the Flaccos at home? Well, what I like about Dalton is is when he has been a little bit off with his arm, he's found a way to make plays with his legs. The last two games had big runs, uh, key runs. So I think he's going to be fine. He's got a heck of a security blanket with AJ Green. Uh, I don't. I, I like their chances coming off a, a little a little rest from the Thursday night game, going into Pittsburgh to play a team that, that quite frankly has not played very good over the last month, and they have lost to some awful teams. When you look at Pittsburgh's schedule and the losses they've accumulated, I just don't think they're a very great team this year. I agree, but I will make the excuse. I know everybody has injuries, but they have guys in their secondary name, Golden and Victorian and people who you've never heard of, not to mention the right tackle as a guy off the street. I mean, really decimated. It's not backups there. These are guys who they signed off the street to replace injured backups. All right, next up. The let's talk about the Flacco's boy. He's been just abysmal. We talked about him last week. Joe Flacco, that pick six. I'm not I'm not exaggerating when I say I actually felt sad for him. I felt bad. It was really pathetic watching him chase the uh, the uh, Broncos DB as he was running to the end zone there and just barely couldn't catch him. I mean, any sign, any indication that they can right this ship at this point with uh, with two games left, Giants and then at the Bengals. I mean, listen, they're in the playoffs, but boy, oh boy, do they stink right now. Yeah, and I think that you got to give them the same uh, the same excuse that we just gave the Steelers when you look at all the guys they have beat up and missing. Uh, I mean, last year, think about this last year. I mean, guards are not a sexy position, but last year at this time of year, they had two Pro Bowl guards. You had Ben Grubbs and Marshall Yonda. They lined up the other day with Bobby Williams and Ja Reed. Okay, there's a little bit of a drop-off there. That's the reason why they haven't been able to just pound people up front. So they should get Yonda back. They should get Bernard Pollard back before long. Looks like the, the couple of linebackers could be coming back, including maybe Ray Lewis. I mean, they have a chance 
to right the ship, but with the way Flacco's playing right now, it's hard to have any confidence. Boy, completing a little over 50% of his passes. Jay Cutler, another big-arm guy who doesn't exactly uh, keep it consistent for his team. Do you think that the Bears get into the playoffs on his right arm? No. No, I, I just don't think they're good enough up front on offense, and I, I, I don't like their defense right now with some of the injuries they've had there. Their defense was generating points earlier in the season. That's not happening, and that's been the difference. Aaron Rodgers, do you agree with me, not just the best player in the NFL right now, has a chance to go down in history as the greatest quarterback in in uh, the history of pro football? Well, I, I always say that the, the greatest player to me would be defined if there was an open draft and, uh, and and every player was in it and available. I think if you pulled all 32 teams, Aaron Rodgers would probably be the first pick, if not all of them, maybe 30 of the 32. So to me, he's clearly the best player in the NFL right now. And he is. If he can if he can put together another Super Bowl run, uh, I think he'll 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 be well on his way to, to to getting that gold jacket and going down as one of the better ones we've seen. Black tie. Make a note as soon as the season's over, as we get ready for the draft. Jeremiah in Studio sixty six. Let's do the all time draft. You can pick any player in NFL history. Let's see how the one through thirty two stacks up. That will really define things because Lawrence, Lawrence Taylor would be a consideration. I would think mm-hmm. probably not Tom Brady. No. Walter Payton? I mean, who else would even be in there? Aaron. Ro- I mean, I think Aaron Rodgers what would be in that top three or four. Well, Dave, can I give you, can I give you my other uh, uh, Damashek podcast uh, special assignment project? Sure. How about, how about if we took an all-star team from each of the eight divisions, which, which division would end up the champion? Now you're talking my language. I love conversations like that. All right, we'll wait, do before, that. Wait, before go you go on, if you're going to have to learn how to say Appalachian State, Daniel needs to learn it's the Dave Damashek football program. Yeah, that's true. Only so fair. Many words. That's so many words. Come on. All right. So okay, starting Apple Appalachian State or I'm gonna I'm gonna butcher it now. The NFC West. So they go Joe Montana quarterback. Maybe Steve Young is his backup in the third QB would be Dieter Brock. Thank you. Oh, Thank snap. you. Thank you. I got it in yes. there. There's Damashek on the board. To get it in. We don't have time. We don't have the time. Ryan Tannehill. People were excited in September, early October. Very quiet uh, down in uh, the in South Beach these days. You're keeping your eye on him. Are you excited and optimistic if you're a Dolphins fan right now about him? I, I, I'm very excited about him. I think one thing you got to give him credit for kind of playing through injury. Uh, that knee was not totally healthy. He fought through it, uh, and now you're seeing him back playing like he was earlier in the season. Uh, he has all the tools. He's big. He's athletic. He's accurate. And truthfully, they just need to put some more players around them. They put some players around them there, they're going to have a good quarterback and a good offense for a long time. New England smoked the Texans in the so-called biggest game in uh, Houston franchise history. Do you now think Matt Schaub, we've talked about him, let's check in on him again, though. Do you think if the Patriots have to pay a visit to Houston, do you still give the Patriots, I mean, do you still give the Texans a good shot at winning that game if it's on home turf with Matt Schaub versus Tom Brady? Yeah, I mean, before the season started, Dave, I picked I picked Houston to beat New England at you know at home in the championship game. It's tough to feel. So great did about I, that. Bub. I picked the Packers to beat the Texans in the Super Bowl. So so did I. I picked the Packers oh. to, to win in the NFC Championship, and I picked the Packers to beat the Texans in the Super Bowl. So we're all, we're, we're we're jiving here. But but you know, when I look at the Texans, we talked about this last week. You know, the, the different mindset that they brought into that game versus what, what I, you know, we talked about what the 49ers would, would bring and that bully attitude and, 
And and I think if the Texans can do that, if they can just just be more physical, add a little more nastiness to their game, I think they can play with this Patriots team. But they can't come in there with their Letterman jackets all wide-eyed like they did the first time. Cam Newton and this year's rookie class has sort of overshadowed these guys. What do you think about a guy like first overall pick, feels like forever ago, Sam Bradford? You like what you see out of him? I'm, I'm a little disappointed. I want to see more development. I want to see him take that next step. I, obviously – they're not loaded with skill position talent around him. Uh, they're just, you know, I, I, I've heard Steve Young use the phrase before, you know, when it comes to great quarterbacks, the difference is they have that kind of over my dead body, are we going to lose uh, type of attitude and mentality. I just don't know if he has quite that killer instinct. I haven't seen it. He seems well, like a 12-year-old boy, really. and, and, and He's a nice. tall guy, but he looks like a, his, the way he throws, the way he looks in pads, his face, everything. He looks like a child. Well, it's not like mm-hmm. St. Louis had a chance at RG3, so. You watch and see those Rams hear hear me now. Believe me later. Those Rams are going to make the playoffs in 2013, but that's a different conversation. Matthew Stafford and that Lions team has regressed. Do you hang any of it on Stafford? Is it the crummy defense that continues to ail them? Yeah, there's, there's a lot of issues there. I mean, Stafford has been too careless with the football. Number one, they've been undisciplined. That's been well-documented, but I mean, this team, have lost. I mean, let's take the stinker against Arizona out of the equation. They've lost some unbelievable heartbreakers. They lost three games in a row uh, where they were leading with two minutes left in regulation. That's not counting the game they lost against Tennessee in overtime, where they you know accidentally sneaked the ball when they weren't trying to sneak the ball. So I don't think the team's that far away. But it's just it's just one of those years where nothing has gone right and. Stafford has to take a little bit of that blame there. She's just been too careless with the football. Well, if Schwartz knows the rules. They beat the Texans. Yeah, well, exactly. Exactly. That was one of those three where they were up in, with two minutes to go. I mean, they've had they've lost games in, in some funky ways this year. You watch. Next year, 2013, another prediction. This is the ebb and flow of the NFL. A team rises up, and everybody, oh, they're a Super Bowl-bound team. I told you they wouldn't make the playoffs this year. They go down into the Valley. Next year, they rise up and are the best team that they've had in the last uh, te- you know 20 years or so. They'll fix the secondary. That'll be the key there. All right, you already covered Ryan Fitzpatrick, so we can skip him because you said he'll be in a battle with Mike Vick. I think uh, everyone agrees that that contract was a terrible decision. Phil Rivers, we've talked about him the last couple of weeks. He has that big win in Heinz Field, an impressive win there. Do you think that he hangs on? Is he still the starting QB in 2013 in San Diego? Yeah, I think so. I wouldn't be surprised if they were to pick a quarterback in maybe you know, second, third, fourth round uh, and start thinking about the future. But I, I just think he needs to push the reset button with a new coach. And, and for the love of the Lord, please get the guy some offensive linemen. They are atrocious up front. Cam Newton, agree or disagree? Cam Newton is one of, let's say, I, I don't have the number exactly right. Let's say top 10. Cam Newton is one of the top 10 quarterbacks in the NFL. He just needs an extra weapon to go along with uh, with Steve Smith. Agree or disagree? Yeah, I mean, I, I agree with you. Before the season started, I, I think I put my quarterback ranking together, and I had him at number 10. So, you know, I think that's probably right around where he is. You can maybe argue up a spot or two, down a spot or two. But uh, I think ability-wise, he's probably top five, uh, if not higher, and the ceiling is, is tremendously high. And what he's done over the last five weeks, no interceptions, 13 touchdowns accounted for, 
He's heading in the right direction. They are going to be – they're another team, uh, early uh, warning here. They're a playoff team. Rank was just a, a season early on them. They're going to be good. Too much, yeah. yeah, they're going to be good next year. That's, Speaking that's, of that – That's one thing, one thing I like to do real quick. I always like to look and say, okay, what if they would have got just this one free agent and how it would have changed the balance? What, what if Cam Newton and the Carolina Panthers had signed Vincent Jackson to go in their offense this year? Would they be a playoff team? Uh, that might be a reach. That they, I mean, would he have been worth? What would that require for them to him him to have been worth four or five wins? That's well, how did that's they, a, how do they fare against Tampa Bay? Because Tampa Bay wouldn't have been they as lost, good. They lost a heartbreaker. Josh Freeman threw a touchdown at, at, at the end of regulation to beat them. So that's Remember, one extra two, win. Two Vincent Jackson. They still, it's still a reach that that, that, that I, I agree with you that that's what they really need is that Cam Newton, they're trying to build that defense up there. But you've mentioned Josh Freeman. That's another team. Interesting. They've got some nice pieces there. That defensive line, I've been saying it for a couple of years there. They got a lot of bodies, a lot of high-round draft picks, a lot of talent there. On offense, they have some weapons there. Josh Freeman, though, is he the guy to make them go for the long haul there? I still believe in Freeman. He's very young. He started off really well this year. He's tailed off as of late. But you got to remember, he came out early. He's still he's still got a lot of development left. I like the skill players they're putting around him. Uh, I think, you know, hey, give him a second year in the same offense, and uh, I think you'll see even better player. But I do think they have their guy. He's he just going just gonna to continue to get better as he gets older and more experienced. One of our most fevered debates here on this podcast, nay, one of the uh, one of the great debates it seems in uh, in football over the last half dozen years. Tony Romo, here he goes, making his late season push, looking terrific. You forget how bad he can look at times. Tony Romo and the Cowboys, are they going to the playoffs? This year, I think they have a shot at the wild card. Right, I, I still think the Redskins are in the best. They're probably in the best position because they're going to get they are. Philadelphia and then be at home. So uh, I'd say it's iffy, iffy for the Cowboys. I feel better about the Redskins at this point in time. But I, I do like the way Romo's played uh, as of late. I think he won five of six. He's been he's been solid. Had to turn the ball over as much as he had earlier in the season. So uh, he needs to have a big clutch moment to prove everybody wrong in a key time in the playoffs. But uh, I think this Cowboy team and Tony Romo have been much better over the second half of the season. We're, we're doing really well. we got to be in the 20s at least in terms of uh, QBs and the teams we've talked about here. Let's try to do it fast here. KC, are they, are they I assume it's not Brady Quinn, or do you think it is Brady Quinn, or do oh, they go no, out into the no, draft? None, none of the above. Go into the draft or free agency? Yes. Okay, one or the other. We'll 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 settle it there. Tom Brady. I know, you know, listen, I talked about it on the Shame Report this week. Tom Brady, I I say Aaron Rodgers is better than Brady, but Brady is my number two or three. Roethlisberger's right there. I know that uh, people will accuse me of being biased, but I still think Roethlisberger in the big game is is hard to beat. But anyway, uh, Tom Brady, he doesn't get enough credit in the sense that Bill Belichick is, oh, he's such a genius. Bill Belichick is is the wizard of wizards when it comes to NFL coaches. Then how come if his specialty is defense, that defense annually is crummy? Last time we saw that Patriots defense, they gave up 41 points at home to the 49ers. Tom Brady even better than, than I think we uh, give him credit for being? Yeah, I think so. I think he talked to a lot of people inside the NFL circles. Uh, if you were going to split the, the praise for the Patriots' uh, success over the last decade, I think it would probably be about a 65-35 split in hmm. favor of Brady, of Brady versus Belichick. 
Boy, that's an interesting uh, way. To, you, you put an interesting perspective on these things, Jeremiah. Mark Sanchez, what do you say about him? I, it, does he? I know we asked you this before. Ever start? A, uh, I mean, I, aside from filling in as a backup, does he ever get the the opening day starting QB gig anywhere in the NFL? Uh, I would say it's probably not likely right now. But how about a landing spot for him? Let's place him in San Diego as Rivers' backup. And, uh, and and let him get back to Southern California, a little less pressure. Uh, maybe he's more comfortable if something happens with River. If he gets hurt and falters, maybe Sanchez can revitalize himself in SoCal. Interesting. That's a that's not a bad idea. I got to say, watching him on Monday night, I again another guy, Jess, who I who I've beaten up quite a bit, but I felt bad for him. That was just pathetic to watch. Uh, that. I didn't was... even see it. I didn't. Even, I I was at my daughter's Christmas play, and I was just every now and then checking Twitter. It sounded so ugly, and then I watched the highlights, and then. The, the comments didn't do it justice, just how bad it was. Well, that's that was me at Disney on ice with my daughter on Sunday missing the Steelers lose a heartbreaker at Dallas. I felt the same way. Thank goodness <laughs> for children. Um, uh, the Oakland Raiders, uh, who's their starting quarterback? What about Mark Sanchez there? Terrell Pryor? What do you think? Carson Palmer? Who's under center? Well, I mean, if you bring Sanchez there, then you put Liner out of business. we got to scatter our UFC quarterbacks around. Man, you can't be doing that. Oh, You're yeah. That... On Trojan crime. Uh, <laughs> no, I mean, I think Palmer's. Palmer's then they could draft the Matt there. Barkley, and they'd be all set. Yeah, there you go. There you go. Uh, you know, I think I think Palmer's kind of the bridge guy right now. I think you're going to get uh, – you feel good about him for another couple seasons, but you want to put somebody in the pipeline here pretty soon. We never did uh, get our answer to the, to the Terrell Pryor question we asked earlier this season. True, true. All right, two more real quick, and then we'll uh, we'll let you go there. Uh, the because we were just talking about it before we uh, started up here is uh, the Minnesota Vikings. Christian Ponder. I don't see anything that makes me think. Yeah, he's a he's an above average NFL starting QB. How say no, you? You're right. I mean, their, their last four wins, he's averaging 125 yards a game. Uh, they are they are a ground express offense, and uh, and it's been discouraging because there was some positive signs last year. He has not taken the next step. He's actually regressed. He doesn't need to. Who are his receivers, and why would he even have to throw the ball? Well, no, you, you have, well you have a decent tight end. They do need to add some speed on the outside. You take Percy Harvin out of that offense, it's a huge loss. But you know, hey, look, you talk about the really the, the big time quarterbacks do it with no matter who they got out there. Tell me that you know the, the nine hundred receivers that Brady's made look good over the years. So true. That's always the point when people say, "Well, he has nobody to throw the ball to." A lot of guys out there, these guys that have been successful, you know, Peyton Manning, who I've disparaged three years ago. Remember him throwing to those guys and uh, some of the rece- listen, even the Pittsburgh I mean, Steelers. David Givens, David Givens isn't going into the Hall of Fame anytime soon, and Anthony Gonzalez's career is not going to be enshrined in Canton either. Well, and the Pittsburgh Steelers now they have some receivers who have a collective terrible season-long case of the dropsies, but uh, you know, Roethlisberger won with Hines. Ward is his number one. I don't know that Heinz Ward would have had a Hall of Fame career um, with a lot of QBs in the league. But yes, he it was a Hall of Fame anyways. career. He I knew you were going to say. I knew you were going to say that. Rank. Talk <laughs> about Roethlisberger in 2012. Heinz Field, big game. I just said he wins the big games. Does he win in Heinz? Two in two consecutive games. Beat the Bengals. Beat the Browns. Go to the playoffs. The stinking regular season is a thing of the past. Uh, it's very possible, but I, I'm actually going to pick the Bengals this week. I like them going in there. I just think they're a better all-around team. Obviously, take Roethlisberger in the quarterback matchup there, uh, but the rest of the team, I give the advantage to the Bengals. Well, that ends our conversation. That cuts it. <laughs> I, I, I don't think we have anything left to talk about, Jeremiah. All right, listen. 
We won't catch up with you beforehand, so have a happy holidays, Jeremiah. Enjoy the family. Uh, have a great time, and uh, and then we'll catch up with you, I guess, pro- in all likelihood, on the other side of the new year. Hopefully we can catch you um, before that, but if not, uh, enjoy the last couple of weeks of uh, NFL football, fella. I appreciate it. always enjoy it. You guys have a good one. There he goes. You, At sir. Move the Sticks, Daniel Jeremiah. Dave. Dave. Yeah, I like him, Rank. See? Jeremiah, who do you to do it? They're sitting here. Two of the three of them are sitting here at least. Okay. Rank them. Jeremiah, <laughs> Sessler, Hanzus. Go ahead. Well, you know favorite what? to least favorite. You know I like to do the alt ranks, so right. I'll do it in that inverse order. So black tie is number one. <laughs> <laughs> That's not nice. Oh. It's the holiday season. It's the holiday season. All right. You know what? Before we do the blacklist, why don't – or you know what? Let's do the blacklist, and we'll get Black Tie shout-out. How about that? Does that sound good to you? Sounds good to me. It's time for the blacklist. The blacklist. Black Tie reads current events. The blacklist. Damn it, check and rank if they're coming. The blacklist. The blacklist. What's up, guys? It's the holiday season. That's it what is. Don't worry, Adam Rank. I feel the exact same about you, too. You're number one in my alternate rankings. But well, let's heat. get to the uh, blacklist here. Legit I've got a couple heat. topics. Yeah. Just two this week, guys. All HBK, right. HBK, Bret Hart. <laughs> Dan Weird, and I find it obscure funny. wrestling references. Yes. How dare we make obscure references? <laughs> <laughs> somebody asked me if I we could talk be. talk about somebody, Dieter Brock. You made a Dieter Brock drop about 10 minutes ago. I know. That's true. Well, yes. But you know, somebody asked me on Facebook the other day if I could be one wrestler, what persona I would like. I went with Coco Be- Beware, and <laughs> I didn't think guy. twice about it. Love that guy. Birdman. Uh, Kamala the Ugandan warrior was a funny one. Papa was, Shango. I like those guys. I like the wrestlers. You know, I don't. I don't really see much WWE these days. You don't see a lot of these guys that are are not just. They're not muscular. They don't seem strong. They're just plain morbidly obese. That's what Kamala was. <laughs> yeah. Kamala, Kamala the Ugandan warrior. Look him what up. He's just, he's just a really fat guy. King what? Kong Bundy. Yes. He's another fat He was one. dominating. The funniest thing about Kamala, though, I can't believe we're talking about him, but since we are. Look him up on the YouTube, kids. Yeah, is that he uh, could have won the WWF title several times if he just knew to turn over his opponent. He would pin him <laughs> with a guy laying on his stomach, and then Mr. Fuji would be like, turn him over, turn him over. No, his and handler, then, Kimchi. Yeah. Oh, his Kimchi would say, turn him over, and Kamala just couldn't <laughs> process it, so it cost him the belt like Except 20 times. Except that it's fake, and he's not marketable, so he was never allowed to win those matches. I was no. going to say, that's a great, that's a oh, great gimmick fake? about how you keep like, – like because that's a, a problem that WWE would have is that – they can't put the belt on this guy, but how do they explain that he just doesn't dominate everybody? Him not knowing the rules was a stroke of genius. <laughs> but that's a common ailment for a lot of contenders in WWF history was that they don't know the rules. Missing Link, yes. George the Animal <laughs> Steel. A lot of the guys, they just didn't know what the rules were. Elementary not, rules. Too. Not unlike 21st century NFL football where they, yeah. a lot Jim of the Schwartz. guys don't know, high-profile guys don't know the rules of uh, of overtime. Donovan McNabb would be a great wrestler. Like, what? I always, I always like when they're out and they're in the middle of a match and then somebody's musical hit and then they turn and look like right. I'm going to forget about the 300 guy yeah. 300 pound guy who was just punching like what and then they turn around right to get it right in the kisser black tie why are you shaking your head slowly behind the glass you know I just love it when uh, wrestling talk derails the blacklist alright I don't like and, 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 and all these soccer topics I'm about to get to and y'all hear talking <laughs> wrestling that's true this is black tie's moment to shine and we're derailing it with the subject he doesn't care about go ahead this is your I actually time. did the right like wrestling back in the day but alright 
We're here and now, Sunday night, the big game, Pats, Niners. I don't know if you guys watched it on NBC, but they, they came in from commercial break with a letter from Colin Kaepernick, his fourth grade letter, pretty much predicting that he would be 6'4", 6'5", like he is, and the Niners starting quarterback, like he is. Mm-hmm. First of all, Alex Smith, there's nothing you can do about it. It was preordained. He predicted it. Second point, though, is... <laughs> I don't know about I'm, that, though, Black Tie. I, 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 love, I like when people announce broad things. I like when people just announce things about like, actors. That when, when, anytime you see an actor interviewed, they always say, I knew at a very young age that I wanted to do this. You know, When I was five or six, I just knew that I wanted to be on TV or I wanted to be in movies. What five- or six-year-old didn't think that that would be fun? Doing something yeah. whimsical or like the, that would be fun. Whoa, whoa you're really, wow, you really... Are really out there. But here, you're, you're pretty distinctive or, as a young person wanting to mom, do that instead of being an accountant. Wow. The, the mom and dad that are like, we knew they were a star from the second they could <laughs> yeah, walk. So it's like, ridiculous. yeah, what parent doesn't think their kid's a star? So wait, Colin Mine. Kaepernick <laughs> wanted to be a quarterback in the yeah. NFL. Yeah, that's Bold. The, that's yeah. pretty neat, though. It was very neat that he wanted to do it for the Niners. Yeah, that's, got the, to do it. You know, that's the whole point of this. It's right. like, you know, he, he accomplishes dreams to the letter, you might say. So the question is here, what was your like most outrageous childhood dreams? Well, I've said it before. I'll say it again. My parents thought uh, that there might be some self-esteem issues for me because at a very young age, I wanted to be a garbage man. Then I wanted to be a gas station attendant. And my parents had legitimate concern. They they had conversations. Apparently, do that. Does he? What, why does he? Why are his ambitions so low? And then uh, then they the, those those concerns were washed away forever when I told them, No, I don't want to be either of those anymore. I now want to be God when I grow up. So, so that was that rank. Don't hang your head. You know what? The garbage it could man, still. it's not It's not out of the realm of possibility. Or God. There's still time sure, for either sure. one. Either way. You could go either way. 50-50. I wanted to be, and this is weird because we were just talking wrestling, I was going to be Hulk Hogan's tag team partner. <laughs> I still think it's it's not out of the realm of possibility. It could be. It's still on the table. I wonder, though. I was, you look more like the uh, arm wrestling rival of, uh, <laughs> of uh, Sly Stallone yeah, and Over fair. the Top. The guy that uh, drank the motor oil. Yes. Yeah. Uh, well, you, you wonder what? <laughs> Nothing. Oh. He stumped. No, I was going to make a... No. It's, okay, let's go. <laughs> Sessler, how say you? We just traveled to a strange place there. Um, in, I do recall in first grade we had to draw what we wanted to be when we were older. Mm-hmm. And I had a one-track mind. I, I wanted to be Luke Skywalker. Somehow because the, you know, the franchise and the movie had already been released, this person already existed. But this is what I thought I wanted to be when I was an adult. <laughs> Let and me say this. That's awesome. Do you know that I uh, – can I one-up you? I glad-handed. It's your with, show. I glad-handed with one Luke Skywalker on Adam Carolla's podcast last week. Dig it up. I encourage wow. you to dig it up. AdamCarolla.com. Black tie. I'll give you the picture of me and Skywalker. Um, it, was, it was a gay old time. And uh, so, I, I, like I say, dig that up and uh, and hear that. And Corolla, really, Santa Corolla for, for Damashek, he gives me the gift of Skywalker. And then a couple of days later, he, uh, he, I, I got to join him on his, uh, his live show at the Melrose Improv. You know, a, a clown like me, all these people were <laughs> rank paying his dues, deserves his <laughs> shot up on the uh, improv stage. Yeah, like, ah, 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 Damashek, ah, I need somebody to sit up there for... Uh, Hour and a half, so you I can't went up there. there and that. Todd Glass, right? No, Todd Glass was in the early show, and then oh. uh, Damashek was in the late one. Ridiculous. Je- Russell Peters, a successful comedian. Wayne Fetterman. One of us is not like the others, but uh, <laughs> but um, you know, I guess what what is it? Uh, 
it, you know, knowing people. Uh, it's, it's not what you know. It's not you know. nepotism, but the equivalent of that. Uh, anyway, yeah. so, so uh, Hanzus, how say you? Um, I did. I thought I was going to be on the Yankees until I was like 13. And I do remember being that age and it just connecting one day that not, that's not going to happen. And it's not even going to close to Now I got to settle for the Mets. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, and then I remember I saw Jerry Maguire and I wanted to be an agent. That was very fast in the past. That's weird. And then, creepy. You want to be an agent. Yeah. No, I didn't know. It just seemed actually the cool thing about Maguire was that it just seemed so cool working behind the scenes of sports. So I guess in some ways, you know. You know, I will say I legitimately do remember in sixth grade, I remember, go- or fifth grade, going somewhere. I mean, this is the same thing as want to be an actor or be uh, on the Yankees or a quarterback. But I did, I do remember specifically writing down, it's a semi-specific thing to point out in, in 1980 that I want to be a a uh, sportscaster. So I so in Colin Kaepernick, same thing. Me and Damashek. <laughs> nah, Kaepernick and Damashek, exact same human being. All right, like black that. tie. Mine's what about the only you? one that's still on the table. Yeah, and improbable. Well, but mine came true. Really, you Impact. could be at like a low level wrestling Impact. organization with Hogan. I could at one time be on Impact Wrestling as a tag team partner. I. I, I I know somebody who's in that. I'm Why don't gonna, they do I'm that? I'm now going to make. I'm going to. That's now my goal is to make that work. I know. <laughs> Just to I, show you. Why. I know the credibility would be called into question. The Yankees would never do anything like this. But if you're the Pittsburgh Pirates, why wouldn't they say late in the season, "Hey, we're going to call somebody out of the stands to play left field for an inning." They should let somebody. They should. I, mean, I know. I know. They they would then make themselves a joke. But you know, listen. The the St. Louis Browns sent uh, a little guy up there, and they're famous. Back, Sixty, yes. seventy years later, the Pirates would be famous if they just pulled some schmo out of the stands and let him uh, shag flies in a real game. Black tie. What was your dream? For me, from ages about producing three- the podcast. <laughs> From ages three to about six, I wanted to be a cook, which is odd because the only thing I can make now are eggs, and I don't cook a lot. <laughs> that about... is a weird dream for someone who doesn't <laughs> yes, cook it was Yes, it was very odd. From about six to about ten, I wanted to be a soccer player because that's all I did is play soccer. And it was a little bit in between where I wanted to be an entertainer of some sort, like a singer, dancer, because a lot of people always said I look like <laughs> dancer. A lot of people always said, I'm, I'm, uh, can we get a song and a dance out of you at some point? So one day, because a lot of growing up, I always heard, oh, you look like Usher. So I wanted to do that, but I couldn't look really. like an Usher. Wow. Usher. Hello. Larry. I heard that all the time. Oh. But um, in my uh, later teenage years, well, from like 12 up, I wanted to play basketball. That's something I actually tried to do. Didn't quite work out. So I ended up here. Congratulations. Yeah. You, oh, sure. you wound up. Uh, your dreams couldn't possibly even. No, no. Overall, though, I always wanted reality. to work in sports. So, like you, Shaq and Kaepernick, I'm sort of, I'm sort of on the right track. Next on the blacklist. I forgot what the next question was. Oh, now I remember. There we go. So, the Seahawks. This past week, they put up another 50 points back to back weeks. Once again, running up the score. Pete Carroll came out, said, "You know what? I regret what I did." How do you guys feel about, quote-unquote, running up the score? I mean, there's nothing to it. He said after the game he failed to call the playoff. I think that – so I I don't think there's anything to this story. But I will say – I always think when coaches do this, when a game's sort of out of hand against a team you don't need to run a fake kick against, now haven't you now wasted that opportunity for the playoffs? I mean, maybe you set it up. Now maybe this sets you up, the the opponent, to fear that this might happen and maybe changes something they do in their punt coverage. But other than that, I would have. I, I feel like if I were a Seahawks fan, I would be thinking, dang, why didn't we save that for a big moment when we need it against the, the Niners or something like that? 
Real quick on that, uh, thanks to Neil Dutton. He sent that question in via Twitter. Want to give him his proper credit. Once again, as you saw, I actually forgot what the question was. But, yes, big shout-out to Neil That's Dutton. <laughs> it was him. He came up with that. Know. So he knows. You, were, you were struggling with it. It's fine. Um, number one, you're absolutely right. The other teams that play the Seahawks now have to account for this fake punt, have to watch tape on it, have to figure out a way to stop it. So that's an extra amount of time they have to go and prepare for something like this. Also, isn't there's a tiebreaker that eventually comes down to total points scored in the season. I remember a couple of years ago, oh, it was yeah, the right. Packers that's and somebody true. were playing in a game and they had to score a certain amount of points to win. So in a in an NFC race that is so closely contested you've got all these all the teams in the nfc east save the the eagles who are eight and six the vikings are eight and six the bears are eight and six so there's a lot of teams in there competing for a playoff spot conceivably it could come down to total points scored so yes seattle pete carroll do not apologize continue to run up the score and you know what if they don't like it have them stop you hand zeus how say you if you yeah if you don't like getting blown out don't get blown out i, I have no sympathy for these teams you know, stop him. Yeah, see, he's frat, but Seth Hanzus is feeling raw Heartless today after is. what he saw on Monday night. <laughs> Sessler, how say you? I mean, I agree with what you guys are saying for the most part. I mean, this is the National Football League. How about the, a team like the Arizona Cardinals a couple weeks ago fields a secondary or a defense that we talked about highly that can actually stop this team? I mean, you're letting Russell Wilson on Sunday run for three touchdowns. Come on. Yep, touche. I mean, I, I, but I will say, I, you know, I was, uh, you know, all week long. I said, I, I, I was saying that they were gonna, that the Bills were gonna pull the upset there, and on Sunday morning, just before the games kicked off, it occurred to me the Seahawks aren't gonna lose because everyone's picking this upset, and so I knew that the that I, I that I was wrong, but it was too late to reverse myself on that one. <laughs> cool story, bro. Um, Can I say something? Wait, I gotta bring something up. Black tie being something, sassy. Something just came in on Twitter for me. Somebody just acknowledged, "Hey, your boss Dave Damashek was pathetically entertaining with Adam Carolla and Skywalker. You should be pre-. right as you're talking. This isn't a live. What does that mean? This isn't a live. But it, this isn't a live. Uh, this isn't a live <laughs> podcast. That somebody right after you just talked about it, somebody respond like they were listening. Uh, well, yeah, I don't know. It's magic, I guess, uh, uh, somehow. But, yeah, no, listen, <laughs> I love Star Wars, and I'm not going to apologize to it, and I wasn't about to apologize to Skywalker. You know what's great is he got the he got uh, the question that I told you I was going to ask him. I said, what was the greatest lightsaber fight in uh, in history? And he got it right, Empire. That's right. When he, when, he show, <laughs> when he has his showdown with Vader, that's the best one ever. But, yeah, he didn't seem like he wanted to talk a whole lot of Star Wars. But I couldn't help it. I wedged it in there. What that's else why is he going to talk wedged, I wedged Antilles it in there nice. quite a bit. A few, oh, uh, a few Star you. Wars references I got in there. By the way, speaking of fake <laughs> kicks and everything, when I, I think cool. of the Seahawks and fake kicks, Jack Patera. Remember the rare times that they would – you have to be old to remember this. The former WWF superstar? No. They would, they, they would be on Monday Night Football once in a blue moon, and any time that they were, he would always run a fake field goal. Remember that? Do you remember, that was like late 70s, early 80s. If they were on the big stage, they always would run a fake field goal, and they would talk about it before the game. Well, he always does it on the day, and they would always do it, and it would always work. I don't know. It's weird. Anyway, all right, black tie. Is that it? All good points. Yeah, that's it. All good points, though. But I, for one, running up the score, it's a professional league for crying out loud. I'll tell you this, though. Soccer, once again, another soccer reference, is the only sport where goal difference is pretty much the first tiebreaker. So if you guys are tied at the end of the season or whatever the case may be, even in the World Cup, it all comes down to how many. what's your goal difference, meaning your goal scored versus goals against. So 
I'm not one for, oh, he ran up the score. Stop crying. You're a professional. Go out there and play. Score as, as much as you can. It's all part of the game, baby. Oh, you know what we got to talk about? We, we Real quick, we have to do this for a second. I want to talk about this Brian Erlacher business. I have, I, 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 I'm remiss in not bringing it up. Brian Erlacher doesn't care what the media and the fans think. I talk about it a little on the shame report, but let's talk about this very quickly. I find it preposterous. Like players not knowing the rules, how can the league allow one of its premier players, one of its biggest stars, to do this not once but twice? You, if, if they did anything about it, if they said, hey, it's really not cool to disparage the fans who, who pay for the tickets and buy all the apparel and merchandise and make uh, the league um, as successful as it is, he did that, a, what was that, a month ago or whatever, when, he, when Danielle Manning uh, of the Texans picked off a pass and he congratulated him on the field. And gave him a, that was ridiculous. And he said, I don't care what the fans think. Then he does it again this week. I don't because the fans booed him. They, he didn't like being booed. Maybe they weren't booing Erlach or maybe that B-O-O-ing. Maybe they were using your initials B-U and booing you. Boo. you see? Maybe <laughs> that's what they were doing. Yeah. Did you think about that, Brian Erlacher? It could have been, but unlikely since you're disparaging them. They're allowed to boo you. Yeah, it's not like you've delivered any Lombardi trophies. Wait, 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 they, they, you're, you're above you're, the Bears are above fans' reproach. They're going to blow another chance at the playoffs for the second straight year. They're not allowed to boo you. They paid to be there, creepo. How say you, Ray? I agree. It's like one of those actors or actresses who just bemoan, like, oh, my life is so hard. I hate doing this and that. Like Kristen Stewart always seems like she's having a hard time with the world. Like, you know what? <laughs> Don't be an actor then. You know, and Brian Erlacher, the whole thing about I hate the, what the media thinks. Two years from now, he's going to be at the doorstep of NFL Network looking for a job. So all these guys, all these phonies that come out, oh, I hate the media, Bill Parcells. Oh, yeah, he goes into the media. Sterling Sharp hates the media. Oh, look, he's in the media now. Also, by the way, yeah, the media doesn't know what it's talking about. Well, it's populated like 80% by players of of recent vintage. They don't know what they're (laughs) talking about. Now. Dave Damashek doesn't know what he's talking about, but but I mean that doesn't discount the vast majority of people who do in the media. It's crazy. Yes, it's ridiculous. And what the fans I hate know, the fans. Well, they don't Way understand. Hey, guess what? Uh, you're not uh, you're not an optical surgeon. You're a football player. <laughs> well, I, I, that's always the bully's response. You don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, you're a football player. It ain't that complicated, fella. If it were, you wouldn't be doing it. All right. Sessler, how say you? Well, I think he was sticking up for Lovey Smith. Who, I get it. And oh, and my in my argument would be: look at Bears fans or loyal fans; they've had enough of Lovey Smith. It's the same thing every year with the Bears. They're rightfully irritated. They're not actually out there, you know, removing Chicago Bears off the field. But it's like they want to see change. And Erlacher, you know, is so grumpy about it. I'm not sure what he what he has to gain, but somehow he has to know when he says this to a media outlet that it's going to be reproduced around the country on other media outlets. Somehow he's, that doesn't make the connection with, with Urlacher. Oh, I'm quite sure it does. Well, he he, he does know. understand that connection and doesn't and legitimately doesn't care. He wants yeah. to give the middle finger to the fans. I just can't imagine that whether or not he sees the uh, the potential damage of that, that, that the team or the and or the league doesn't step in and say, hey, high-profile stars, let's try to avoid bashing our fan base. Hansus. Yeah, I mean, to take Rank's analogy about the actor a little further, it's like, you know, he's the old actor who the beauty's gone and, you know, the pizzazz is gone and now he's just bitter with the world. It just seems that's how he came off. I mean, he was a guy that 
you know, is going to shoot down at anybody else because he's not who he once was. He runs like a nine three forty now. Whatever, <laughs> Locker. Get out of here. Yeah. So. He and his uh, he, he and his barbed wire arm tat does not ring around his arm, does not take the place of, uh, of Super Bowl rings in the eyes of uh, Bears fans. Black tie. Quickly, we have Elliot coming in here. Uh, Elliot Harrison, in just a moment, do your shout-out. It's time for Black Tie Shout-outs. I like to give a shout-out to Chris Shout-out to I just want to give a shout-out Ah, the great one-man house band, Dick Banks, with another dandy little song there. Hey, we worked on that together. That was a collaborative effort. Look right. at him trying to steal credit. No, I'm just he saying. He can't let Dick Banks have one bit of credit. We can we let that tracks. count we as your shout-out? All right, time for the shout-out, guys. Shout-out this week goes to, this, this is an odd one, but it goes to, not like, you know. As opposed the to the usual <laughs> classy one. Shout-out this week goes to attractive female comedians and the reason i'm giving this to to f- attractive female comedians is that f- for me for most comedians when coming up with their material you got to assume like they have a lot of time to themselves a lot of loneliness going on in the earlier p- part of their lives only kids like damn sure you're an only are you an only kid no you're well, a middle anyway. child <laughs> all right anyway so but you get middle middle kids a lot of time to themselves have don't have a lot to do so they think up this material and attractive female people don't necessarily have that time so my i'm giving a shout out to them because i think it's a tough job to do like balancing all the things you have to do as an attractive female in this world and also being a great comedic mind who are these attractive comedians (laughs) well i gotta go with like a whitney cummins per se um aisha tyler from archer all right sarah silverman um even though like they sort of like up their quirkiness just to seem more funny but you know they're so. They're, wait, they're do you really like them or no? <laughs> I can't. You know, I, I can't I, get a good I find read it on it. Odd. Like I'm not against them. I just find it odd, and I'm a, I'm giving a shout out to them because I think what they're doing is actually pretty pretty legit. I, I I think it was muddled, but I feel like I understand <laughs> what you're getting at. That the that the experience of being a nerd allows you to inform. Well, I always feel that you know being unpopular. Inform, you know, it gave me a lot of time to watch bad movies and TV shows instead of being at parties like uh, normal high school kids. Talking to girls was not something I had uh, that took up any of my time. More time to, to you know, develop some more perspective. Attractive women had every fellow throwing themselves at them, and so that shapes their worldview, I think, at an early age. I've often said high school girls have... Have have a have an easy path because it's like being a good athlete in high school. If you're a great basketball player, popularity is handed to you by, by virtue of your skill. If you're an attractive woman, you get to experience everything. You can date the most, uh, you know, the, the the star basketball player. Then you can date a bookish writer type, an artist who quotes <laughs> poetry to you, and so on. You pick what you want, and it and it shapes sort of who you are. I get where you're coming from because there wasn't probably. A lot of trauma that went along with that, and I think a lot of people would say comedians generally a lot of solitude, have to. A lot of you know downtime, a lot of solitude. Just yeah, that sort of ranks thing. a messed well, up guy. You know, he's yeah. a weirdo. He's uh, nobody ever has liked him. That's why he's a comedian now. Yes. See, very very troubled past. I, I would as, I would assume <laughs> there is a female comic listening, or someone, an actress that's pretty, or something. Not anymore. That, that is extremely offended. <laughs> <laughs> that's extremely offended by this, as if. 
being attractive <laughs> means you have no problems in your life and everything has been perfect. Uh, but, you know. I'm, I'm sure like Sarah, to see what I that's sure, like. I'm sure Sarah Silverman is sitting there going, yes, I, I've had no problems ever. I, think- I get it. But I also, yeah, listen, yes, I've spoken with her. Yes, she will tell you that she, had, that right. She. What's had, the name of her book? The Bedwetting? Bedwetter. Yeah, she's, you know, she has all sorts of issues. I know, but, but I do, uh, Black Tie, I kind of get where he's coming from. But in a way, if they heard that, they would probably be offended by it. It's cleverly offensive. <laughs> it is. <laughs> Just give well him a shout-out. That's all I'm doing. Just give all him a I know out. is, one, one thing I can say is, Black Tie shout-outs continue to be captivating stuff, week in yes. and week out. That's why I, <laughs> they're you, talkers. Have you rank? Are you willing to concede that uh, that maybe you were wrong early on? You didn't love black tie shoutouts. Do you now? Have you now turned the page? And are you willing to agree that they're good? Love the shoutout, not the man. <laughs> Speaking of which, look who's walking through the door right now. It's our old pal, Elliot Harrison. What's the poop? But 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 being first of all, congratulations on the big win in Big D. Oh, I, I, well, I, I should say that I appreciate that, but shouldn't we be thanking Ben Roethlisberger for making a terrible throw and then blaming the play calling? Classic. Give him a hand. Give him a hand. I don't, I don't uh, appreciate you coming in here and behaving in that manner. I think we all know it was Todd Haley's fault. I think <laughs> Mr. Roethlisberger made his feelings clear on that. No, it was a terrible pass. Terrible. But, of course, they win the game if Antonio Brown doesn't fumble. That's that's the bottom line. Probably, I, I agree with that. I tell you what, though, man, if you're going to throw an out in the NFL like that, you don't throw it to the. If you're throwing an out to the right side, you don't throw it to the inside shoulder of the receiver. I mean, that, that's like football 101. You learn that in high school. You, you know? know what's funny about that? I don't know if it occurred to Cowboys fans, but it certainly did to me about three years ago when the Steelers made their playoff run that wound up with Santonio San Holmes catching that pass at the end of uh, the game against uh, the Cardinals. That uh, in December, in early December, Tony Romo in Heinz Field threw a terrible interception that yep. lost the Cowboys the game. You remember yep. oh, that? So it was a sort of a, a nice, well, a, not a nice reverse for Steeler fans, but a nice one for Cowboys fans. <laughs> These two teams have played so many great games. I mean, that, that 08 game was great. Dallas was up 13-3 mm-hmm. to at Heinz in the fourth quarter. You had the interception that you're talking about, and then the miscommunication on the next drive between Romo and Witten on the, the key fourth down play. Uh, I thought that might have been Pittsburgh's best defensive moment. Uh, of the year uh, in that, that fourth quarter. And then to even go back to 2004, Pittsburgh goes into Dallas. They played the Vinny Testaverde Cowboys in mm-hmm. that game. I remember that Roethlisberger's one. rookie year. That was probably, to me, his signature win as a rookie. I agree. I think that was the – because Bill Parcells said, this is the best rookie quarterback I've seen since Marino came into the league. And uh, he went and proved it uh, on the road in Dallas. I mean, like I said, in Super Bowl thirty, you and I have talked about, boy, that game could have gone either way. Well, so, should have really? gone Wait. the other way. Did so. you really think the Steelers are going to win that game? Super Bowl Thirty? Yeah. I didn't think they were going to win going into it, but when Bill Cowher called the onside kick and they recovered it, I absolutely thought they were winning that game. And then Bam Morris ran it in, and then they get the ball with four minutes to go, down three. That was the story. That was the pattern of that Steelers team that season. They would they they'd keep it close. They 
almost invariably would drive down, they'd kick a field, force an overtime, maybe score a touchdown before. I thought they were absolutely winning that game. All right, listen, as you can see, and if you've ever listened to the podcast in the past when EH comes in, he's a man of football history. That's why we all park our cars in the same garage. Rank and myself also fancy ourselves uh, historians of the game. We, we have a great love of uh, 70s and on at least. All right, EH, you're doing something interesting, and I joined you for a couple of uh, segments on it. What is the app? To promote the app here associated with the uh, football life immaculate reception coming up here. Well, we always did on NFL.com Live, we would do the Thursday Night Football game, but we had an extra component called TNF Extra, which Solomon Wilcots would answer people's questions. You're watching the game. You could message uh, TNF Extra, and Solomon would try or tweet TNF Extra, and, and Solomon would answer questions, and it had all sorts of cool facts and figures. So we thought that we would do it for a football life with the immaculate reception coming up. Thought it might be a neat thing to, to do. So we, during the commercial breaks of A Football Life, you can go to A Football Life Extra and you can watch us during the commercial breaks. And we have Neil Zender, the producer of the documentary, the guy who conceptualized the whole thing. Uh, he joins me for several segments to talk about everything from the, the conspiracy theories to why they decided to do this. Because this is the first time they've done a non-person. You know, they've always done a coach or a mm-hmm. player. And and then, of course, you joined me to, to do a little bit of butterfly effect. And I really enjoyed the, the two segments that you and I did. You don't want to miss those. Immaculate reception, yes. And that is uh, the football life, uh, a football life on NFL Network, Wednesday night on uh, at uh, 8 o'clock Eastern, 5 o'clock uh, Pacific, I, b- I, I believe. believe so. And then it, it the re-airs cons- later in the night. What are the conspiracy theories? Well, there's uh, there's several. A couple that I think make sense. And then a couple that I don't, you know. Typical Al Davis, John Madden, paranoia is what a, is what a lot of it is. Well, I, I asked Neil Zender, the, the creator, about these. And I first asked him, what do you think was the most credible? And he felt like the lack of security at the stadium, that, that there's several stories. Oh, please. That the, that so the, ridiculous. That, well, it's on record that the ref called somebody. He called some whoever it was. It could have been his, you know, Aunt Julie and, and you know, wherever. But. He called somebody and then came out and ruled that the touchdown would stand. Obviously, this predates instant replay, as you both know, for decades. John Madden uh, claims, or is it Al Davis? It's I think more it's than Madden. just John Madden. Who, well, they claim the Raider, Raider people who feel like the immaculate reception shouldn't have counted right. say that the referee went and said, how much security can you give me and my other officials here down on the field if we reverse this call? They said, hey, the police that we have are down on the field already. They said, all right, well, then we can't reverse the call because we'll get killed down here. That's yeah. the that's uh, what kind that of seems, hokum. That seems plausible. Oh please, that's so that's so ridiculous. Well, I could see that happen. Well, the police the wouldn't. NFL, yes, yeah, yeah, that, that's what it was based on. The, hey, the referee feared really? that he would take a beating, and so therefore he did. Went. You not? Did you not see the Seahawks Packers ending a couple of Monday nights? Yeah, ago? and what happened? Yes. So and what happened? They have better security, so they could make whatever oh, they call that. Hey. It's such a hokey. Well, Dave, I will say this. I will say this. Let's not forget what a wild west the NFL was back in 1972. It was not the corporate, sterile environment sometimes that it can be now, where everything is so meticulously planned. Mm-hmm. Um, but there they, were never any bad calls prior to oh, that oh, that oh, the oh, home crowd didn't also, like. It's when also, when, well, when, when did referees ever take a beating? 
I know, but you know what? And you also go back to this, too. You need to point out, because people probably don't realize this, the Steelers were not an AFL team. They were an NFL team. Mm-hmm. The Raiders were an AFL team. Al Davis was the commissioner of the AFL, the one guy who did not want to merge with the league. And the Raiders ended up on the short side of the stick. Yeah, I, I don't like the Raiders, but I, I'm, I'm open to what oh, they're telling me. What, I mean, what a deep conspiracy that well, is. Wait, so uh, on the occasion of an insane, never-before-seen or since play, in case that happens, make sure you go with the NFL refs. No, yes. I don't, of course. <laughs> I don't necessarily. Against the Raiders, yes. I, I don't necessarily agree with it to that stage, but I do think that there probably were some calls in those days that went against the Raiders. I don't think it was necessarily intentional. I mean, sometimes we have biases that are subconscious, and the Raiders certainly had them, and Al Davis definitely earned those. But let me go b- step back a little bit. Let me bit. just say this to you, though, about okay. that psychology involved in that. I contend that when anybody, uh, if you put a spotlight on that and say, hey, be careful with those referees because they might be looking to make calls against us, those the human instinct is to go the other way and overcompensate. The worst thing that can happen in college basketball is for your conference, for your team to play another conference and have your conference's officials calling the game because those officials, the last thing they want is the stink of, oh, they were being, they were calling things for their conference. They go the other way, in uh, fact. That I, never happens. Yes, of course it Anytime does. Anytime a Big West school goes to play a Pac-12 team, the, pack, the Big West school uh, gets well, that's, that's, that's the same because you've no, got chip on no, your shoulder, no, Al Davis. Because those referees, those referees have to deal with those coaches week in and week out, and they don't want to upset those guys. You're, you've got that backwards. Well, let's just staying on the rails here for a second to answer your question, Adam, about the conspiracy theories. Another one is that the ball hit Fuqua's pad first before yeah. it hit Tatum. The reason that's important is the way the rule was stated back then. Mm-hmm. If an offensive player touched the ball first, the another offensive player could not catch it. Now, we saw this, and, and this documentary does not get into this, but in Super Bowl five, just two years earlier, there was a key. the key play in the game was a Unitas pass that was allegedly tipped by Mel Renfro, caught by John Mackey, went for a touchdown. As we know, the Colts won by a field goal. Was the, the Colts' offense did nothing all, all day. Their only touchdown came on a complete BS play. So because uh, the, the ball had hit Eddie Hinton, the Colts receiver, first, if Renfro didn't slightly graze it, whether he did or he didn't, no one really knows, then it would have been ineligible for John Mackey to catch it. That had just won the Colts a world championship two years before. So I think that was key. Another conspiracy that's theory. That's a legit now to me that's a legitimate one. Okay. And I but that's for the, the record one. That's just a bad call. No, of course. That's a way. bad call, but they but, but if know. there had been modern camera if there had been twenty first century coverage in a playoff game, there would have been six cameras on it and they would have had a better shot. But there's no existing shot that would indicate Either way, I can tell, tell you, I've seen that play from every angle. I, I watched it over and over to prepare for this uh, a football life extra. I can tell you exactly what I thought ha- think happened. This certainly isn't a hundred percent. I think Tatum, the ball, and Fuqua all arrived at the same time. The ball did not hit Fuqua's shoulder pad. His arms were extended. I think as his hands were about to hit the ball, Tatum hit his hands, and then the ball, and it all caromed. At the same time, I think the ball caromed off Fuqua's forearm and Tatum's shoulder pad at the exact same time. I'll tell you what I think. I'm is willing the, to concede it hit off Tatum. Yeah, or or just off of Tatum's because you can tell by the carom that it looks like somebody's shoulder pad coming yeah, from the like other direction. The it's, way, like a, yeah. it's like shot out of a cannon. The least plausible theory, the one that I think has no merit, is neither one of those. 
it's the the theory that you never see in the NFL films end zone footage. You see Franco Harris. You know how they always splice the shot. They show you Bradshaw's throw, the carom, and then it, it goes to a cutaway of Harris catching it from the end zone angle on the fly. There's some people that feel like that ball touched the ground. It did not. That's did the not. one I don't buy. You can tell by the way Franco Harris uh, bends over that he's not bending over far enough to be catching a football off the turf. He's right. short hopping it. Well, I I don't think that happened. It's a remarkable play, obviously. If you're a youngster and aren't familiar with the Immaculate Reception, shame on you. Make sure you tune in to a football life and catch that. What's the app? How do you find the app, EH? It's going to be on NFL.com. Uh, I do not have the web. I, I feel uh, woefully Football life. Look for the app. Franco Harris, it will Immaculate be on NFL.com's Reception. main page. All that stuff. EH and I kibitz about this and the significance of it to both the Raiders and Steelers organization. And uh, and make sure you check that out. Quickly, EH, we uh, we enjoy your uh, power rankings. Also ranks alternate pa- alternative power rankings. Alternative rankings. How, whatever the you call ranks. it. The alt ranks. The alt ranks. I'm sorry. Oh, I see. I get it now. Now it makes sense. Um E.H., I, on Twitter, and you can follow me at Twitter and rank at uh, Adam Rank on Twitter, I tweeted out uh, when I saw the the Power Poll, mm-hmm. which I didn't even know existed, to be mm-hmm. honest with you, on NFL.com, which is voted on by 13 so-called experts. You have your power rankings. I encourage people to, to dig those up. You have it, Patriots, I mean, you have 49ers 1, Falcons 2, I don't know if I agree with that one. Patriots three, Texans four, Broncos five. The power poll, however, goes 49ers, Broncos, Texans, and then the Patriots. It was eight it was eight or nine days ago that the that the Patriots destroyed the Texans well, by four touchdowns. Here's, what is it? What kind of what kind of hokum is this? The BCS is crazy. I I agree with you. Here's the problem. This is the also I'm, – I'm taking a beating right now on NFL.com's comment section. People saying, oh, you should go to ESPN. ESPN and our power poll, they, they take several people's opinions. Here's the problem with that. They don't have to pay attention to what they did last week. So, Adam, if you had the Broncos number one last week and you decided to put them at 10 this week, nobody's going to call you on what you did last week. My column, we have up and down arrows to show. This is where they were last week. So if I just herky-jerky, you know, just decide, ah, you know what, I'm going to put Denver number one, well, people are going to see what I did last week and say, hey, that makes no sense. The bottom line is Denver lost to Atlanta. They lost to Houston. They lost to New England. Every good team they've played, and it's the same excuse I keep hearing is, oh, that was earlier in the year. Hey, last time I checked... That's the beauty of the NFL. We only play 16 games. Every game counts. You know, they they had the entire off season. I to, get it, but get but I mean, together. but but you know, if we're looking at as these teams are getting ready for the playoffs, that's what explains the 49ers being number one going into Foxborough in December. Yes, now they look playoff ready. The Falcons shutting out the defending Super Bowl champions that justifies that spot. I cannot figure out where. 13 experts could collectively come up with the with the idea that the Texans somehow rate ahead of the Patriots. I I, I don't have it that way. I have the Texans. I know you don't. I, I'm them. just saying. It's, it's they're, cuckoo, voting, right? they're voting like AP voters. Just like, oh, these guys lost. I have to move well, they're, them down. They're going to they're gonna be the number one seed in the AFC, ergo, but they just lost by four touchdowns. Right. It was and an embarrassing that, loss. Not only that, but you know, if you look at the Broncos, Dave, I, if Peyton Manning's out of that equation, they're done. They are done. If if Colin Kaepernick is out of the equation in San Francisco, they're not done. They're gonna they're still gonna win. San Francisco can beat anybody in pro football. Period. Period. On any given day, because their defense is so good and their special teams is good. David Akers has had a bad year, but he historically has been one of the best kickers in the league. They have an incredible punter in Andy Lee. 
They have a good return. Did you see Michael James's kick return? What an answer to the Patriots' comeback. The Niners are a complete football team. Adam, you t- you've talked about it many times with the old 80s Rams, that 21 on 21, they could have beaten those Niners teams. The difference was Joe Montana. This 49er team, their other 21 guys are better than your other 21 guys, period. Well, it's interesting and hard to argue with. Um, I, the, the big question is, Kaepernick in a tough spot in the playoffs. That's the one I'm waiting to see. And Wait, it, really? Yeah. After what he did in New England, you're like, no, nah, not convinced. I he didn't face adversity. He th- listen. They that once the game is tied, yes, that counts as a- adversity. But I will say that that is that is a simple. Uh, a simple toss that he makes to Michael Crabtree that Crabtree turns into a touchdown. So it's not like Ka- I, I think Kaepernick's getting a little bit too much credit. That guy, I, uh, people are hailing. Well, what a response in Foxborough from the youngster! All right, he threw a he threw a ten yard out. It wasn't even that. Would you would you have rather him throw an interception? No, I wouldn't rather anything. I'm just saying like I ben still question if, yes. if they run into if they run into a tough spot. In the playoffs, against the Packers, let's say, they get down 10 points or something like that to the Packers. I think it it will be interesting. At least I don't know. I don't know. I've never seen him do it. So how? Of course, that has to be a question whether or not he can do it in a tough spot in January. My my last thought on this, I just wrap it up like this by saying that Colin Kaepernick made his money in the first half by diagnosing where the single coverage mismatch was and finding it. Delaney Walker is not scaring anybody, but the quarterback recognized I've got Delaney Walker one-on-one out here with a safety that's not paying attention. That's where I'm going with the football, and I'm putting it on between the four and the six. You have to give him credit for that. True. And the response to me, again, was not Kaepernick. It was LaMichael James's 50-something-yard kick return mm-hmm. that was really the key play. Touche, and uh, and I did love that ball from Kaepernick uh, to Delaney Walker there in the first half. That was a, that was a good toss. All right, E.H., Tell us again, because I get confused because you do that underscore nonsense. At Elliot Harrison. No. At NFL Harrison. Right? (laughs) At Harrison. At Harrison. Underscore NFL. You would think as much. Get rid of the underscore. It confuses people. So do I do the double N's? Harrison NFL? Yes. Yeah. Double. Yes. What do you say? Why Adam? can't you just do Elliot Harrison? There's yeah. another Elliot Harrison. There right is, there? like in Finland or whatever. That? And poor guy, he's been getting yelled at for having the Broncos ranked fifth in his power rankings. <laughs> <laughs> All right, sixth, Scram. Man. We'll see you right, on Wednesday night on uh, a Football Life the uh, the companion app. You can watch EH in the commercial breaks and talk to the producer of the Immaculate Reception episode as well as one Dave Damashek. All right, Scram. See Happy y'all. holidays. Happy holidays. Season's greetings. All right, so there goes Harrison. The ATL boys will be back on Thursday with their like. Oh, I mean, with their like dislike. I'm 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 all uh, <laughs> I, I'm you know E H. He's so he's so pretty. I get lost in his eyes and I lose my Hard I lose my to. brain. Yeah. Um, the around the league guys with their debate club will be back as they do it uh, on the on the second podcast every week. Black tie back there. Patting himself on the back for another fine uh, shout out there. All jokes aside, that was very. I thought that was well thought out. What his shout yeah. out earlier? Oh, all right, I appreciate that. All right, if you jumped over it so you could get the the uh, to the the golden tongued uh, Elliot Harrison. <laughs> is that a phrase or is that dirty? Just call him golden tongue. Maybe a little. Yeah, maybe. Either way, go back and. Uh, I just cut that out. Could be safe. All right, so uh, so that's that. Rank. I'll see you. 
for one more podcast in front of uh, in front of the Christmas holiday black tie. Assuming you know, we won't see you until after, right? Well, I might be here for the second podcast this week. Oh, and really? Then, yes, and then I'm you actually, are actually taking a vacation. Yeah, just, it's the know, NFL it's, season. What it's his mean? third. It's his third vacation of the 2012 NFL season. I don't know what who he knows he's the Kevin, that he's able to take week long vacations during the season. And I got places to go, people to see. I got it. You know? I got you. All right. Well, listen. Hopefully, we'll see you, Black Tie. If not, happy holidays to you. We'll be back with one more podcast for you, episode number one sixteen. In the meantime, though, thanks so much, football fans. It's been a thin slice of heaven. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower... 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you.